Hello, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us on Turning a Moment into a Movement. My name is Jay Love and I represent the Justice for Gerard Movement. Gerard is uh, my son who was wrongfully convicted for a crime he didn't do. He served two years in the Michigan Department of Corrections and, and now he's home. But that journey brought us to this journey, which is now Turning a Moment into a Movement. And so we come here on Fridays. I know it's been a while, so Happy New Year's to everyone. Um, also, while I'm here, I want to say hello to those who are watching on YouTube and Twitter and probably later on Spotify. Hello. Um, but I want to say that this movement began because of Gerard. And so we come here on Fridays to talk about injustice, wrongful convictions, and to educate. Our goal is to educate our community to uh, engage us into fighting for justice for all, equal justice for all. So I thank you for joining us. Um, it's been a minute, but I'm happy that we are back. So let's um, bring on the panel one at a time. And first we're gonna bring on, greetings, Trisha. We're back. <laughs> Yes. Oh goodness! Wow, we. I'm so excited oh, for us to be back. So much has happened, and we have so much to talk about. Yes. Um, so grateful for the break, but also grateful to be back. And you know, hello to everybody watching. Those that know us, those that don't. My name is Trisha Duckworth, Executive Director and Founder of Survivor Speak, and a lead consultant at Value Black Lives. And we are any and all things justice. And where there is injustice, you can expect us to shine a light on it. Yes. Thank you, Trisha. I know you just had an event um, this past, was it this past weekend? Yeah, last Saturday we were at um, Women Huron, Women's Huron Valley Prison in Ypsilanti. And we will continue to go back until we see the change. Um, as a matter of fact, we got word yesterday that the women had been waking up, that the, the heat was turned back on at six something in the morning. They got bleached. They were told to clean up. Maintenance came in, cleaning and painting. And um, next thing you know, in comes somebody with an, for an inspection, um, which was the attorney general's office. Mm -hmm. um, and so... You know, first of all, I'm not sure why they would have got a heads up. So see how they all play games with each other. Somebody right. was like, you better get that together over there. We on the way over there today. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what happens. This is how the cover up goes far beyond MDOC because they're all working together, in my opinion. Exactly. But we're going to still continue to stand up for the women um, at Huron Valley and and for injustice all over, we're going to continue to take those stands and until change happens. That's right. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for I having us. You're welcome. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Alexandria. 
Hey, so good to be back with y'all. I know. Welcome back. It's been a minute, it seemed like. Oh, my. Yes. We still been moving, though. We still been working. Yes. So what's going on with you? Oh, let's see. Oh, well, I guess I should first (laughs) introduce myself before I just get on talking. Um, Okay. So I'm Alexandria. I'm a community (laughs) advocate, advocate, activist, organizer um, with Michigan Liberation Accountability for Dearborn. And I'm just really passionate about, you know, removing these policies, this culture, um, these procedures that are anti-Black because racism will not go unless anti-Black culture procedures and, uh, you know, these processes are removed um, and unless mental health is fully addressed. Um, And unless we're looking at people's humanity, um, I'm a big believer that um, humanity has to be placed over harm. And there's humanity in everybody, and we have to see that because um, everybody requires different things. Um, but yes, I am happy to be here uh, with my sisters and here to fight. I know. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So let's break in. Attorney, you go, Matt. Well, hello, hello. So, so good, somebody <laughs> again. So good. Oh, surrounded all these beautiful black women. I'm just back in heaven again. So it's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing to see. And look, Trisha, I'm still thawing out from Saturday. Look here, I was that I was that brown popsicle you saw standing up there, didn't know who it was with that with that coat on. Look, I take my hat off. I love Trisha and them because and and uh, and the brother from the nation that was out there talking. This brother had like on a fedora, nothing on his ears, nothing on his ears. Look, you know, we say that black people we started like you know in Africa and the you know tropic area. I don't know. I, I think we started up north because I saw some black people out there. They, I said, how can they stand it? So, it was so freezing. Oh. Yeah, I mean, look, Trisha, I saw you up there dancing and that sister that got up there and sang too. Oh, I mean, Lord, and, and the air did not freeze in her throat. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, you know, uh, so thank you, Trisha, and, and, and so good to see everybody again. My name is Hugo Mack attorney of law. Uh, I'm proud of the fact I'm probably the only attorney in the state of Michigan with two bar numbers, one horizontal, one vertical, one given me by the state bar of Michigan, P30997, and the other one by the Michigan Department of Corrections, 232506. So I have a rather unique perspective on a criminal justice system, having paid a debt I did not own myself. So I'm proud to be a part of this, to join my brothers and sisters here in this fight. Because you know the only way we lose is if we stop fighting. Okay, that 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 is that is the only way we lose. So uh, our leader Jay Love, so glad to see you again. And and so yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's and, and Alexandra been following you too. You know and and Trisha and everybody. So hey, let's keep it moving. I I want to hear what Reverend Tia got to say tonight. I got my notepad right here. <laughs> so, so speaking of Reverend Tia. Hi, hello, hello. How's everybody? I'm so excited to be here tonight. Oh, so glad to see you guys. And you know, it's it's fascinating to be on the front line, you know, or at least pulling the tailcoats of those who are out there on the front line. Look, if you haven't gotten on the front line, get with somebody who is on the front line of justice and help 
help. Whatever you can do, help. Whether it's writing, we need policies written. We need to make some new laws. We need to make some changes. And I'm telling you today, we are narrative changers. If you are tired, and I mean sick and tired, I don't want you to be sick, but I don't want you to be tired either. But if you are tired of doing the same thing, getting the same response, which is sometimes nothing, then become a narrative changer. And that starts with you. So I am founder of the Choice Zone, where every day my goal is to help people get into their own mind of expansion and be all that God has called them to be. So I'm so glad to see you guys today talking about narratives and um, the narratives that we have bought into. Um, it, it reminded me of the song by uh, Jill Scott, uh, Hate on Me Haters. I don't know if that's the title of it. I just know the words, you know, because, you know, you can, for that song, you can just be in your feelings, you know. <laughs> Hate on me, hater, now or later, because <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do me. <laughs> don't be mad, baby. <laughs> Go ahead and hate on me, hater. <laughs> I'm not afraid of. And, and um, so when you're not afraid, then, then you look at what are the lies that we have bought into? What are the lies that we've signed up for? And we've said, oh, I agree with that. Not even knowing, oh, I agree with that not getting any information, not really reading any journals. Oh, okay, that's that's the story right there. What amazes me is when a people can be studied to such an extent and diagnosed, and yet no one has ever really, you know, very few, there are very few people who have began to look into, well, what, what does the mind of the oppressor has to say? Oh, we've sold out into our trauma, you know, that has been for 400 years, trauma. Our narrative that says, oh, well, you know, this is generational. Sometimes we call it the generational curse or generational trauma. Okay, so then if there is such a thing as the generational trauma, then if we look into all cultures of generation, just saying, I'm just saying, possibly, could it be generational mind of oppression to oppress others? Is that possible? How much do we really attribute to generation to something that we automatically have to have without investigation? What I'm here to do is to help 
people wake up and to challenge your mental capacity to think and to begin to question what's really going on. What have you bought into? Hmm? Year after year, what has been told to you? What have you accepted as your own? Anybody want to talk about some of their, the lies that they bought into? <laughs> now, I know I'm going to get in trouble for this. <laughs> but when I think about the lies that I bought into when it came to my personal relationship with God, and all the things that I had to unlearn that I had learned, right, that were really just so oppressive when it came to spirituality. And I would like to attribute that to a lot of my doom, gloom and despair and not really knowing who I was because of those those laws of oppression that are sometimes put on people's and wrapped around people's necks. Um, in, in Christianity and specifically mostly in the black church. Well, not only in the black church, because we know our evangelicals are, are the same as well. But when I think about the, 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 the chains of religiosity for me, that was something that was major. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, uh, <laughs> I feel like this goes a little back to childhood. Um, I bought into the idea that we can't, as black people, we can't do certain things. Like we can't be that, like we don't do that. So I remember when Obama became president of the United States, for me, it was like, we can do that. Oh, that's something we can do. But it took up until him to really know, like we can be in those kind of spaces in those kind of rooms. Because of my experience, I was like thinking, you know, I, I kind of limited myself um and thinking that that's not a place where we could be because of again representation is everything right and um yeah i bought into that lie that that we are boxed um we are we can only do certain things we're only those basketball players most rappers and i'm glad early on i had the ability to, to see him become president and see we can be on that level and we can we can be doctors too um, I'm, I'm grateful for that, having that at a young time in my life, but yeah, I bought into that for sure. Hugo Mack? You know, once again, technology follows me into uh, <laughs> 2022 with a curse. So um, I'm sorry. Is there a feedback, J-Love? You okay right now because we're not speaking. <laughs> oh. I'll take that from you, J Love. I'll take that. <laughs> but you know, look, um, as a young black man, I know one thing that I made a mistake in my childhood uh, growing up in Ann Arbor, thinking that my personality or my uh, presentation, my good nature would be enough, you know, to have me accepted. And I just remember one time I went to Mac Elementary School, uh, like kindergarten through sixth grade, you know. Uh, anyway, and I remember 
I had a classmate, a uh, young white girl named Stacy, and we, you know, would play on the playground. All of us would, would hang out together, and I thought we were friends. And then I remember she had a, a birthday party, you know, and I and some of the other black kids noticed we never got an invitation. So thought, you know, lost in the mail, whatever, all the different excuses. But then I remember her telling me, well, I'm not inviting you to a party because you're a Negro and my family doesn't appreciate Negroes, you know? And so I guess for me, even though that was a childhood thing many, many years ago, it let me know how people looked at me and it had nothing to do with my personality. It had nothing to do with my skill level, my presentation. It had strictly to do with the color of my skin. So that's when at that age, I really started to understand that the color of my skin is something that I could never uh, ever escape or, or remove myself from. Mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing how many of us um, go through that. How about you, Jay? So um, the things that I um, bought into and believed that if you tell the truth, no matter what, that, you know, that you would be good. And so, and that, you know, bad things won't happen to you because you're honest and you tell the truth. And so I bought into that belief and I carried that all my, almost all my life because of my upbringing, you know, um, um, being a preacher's kid, you know, that's, that was a thing that my dad stressed on us until I found out that that was not necessarily true. Then, you know, despite what you say, those things can be held against you <laughs> in the court of law. Uh, <laughs> so um, I bought into that, that the truth some will set you free because not necessary, that's not necessarily true. As you know what the truth can, it's not a, uh, can have you locked up still in 2022. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's something because as I as I grew, um, I understood that there were some things I had to do in order to get above this this current of of racism or disparity, and you know it it, it can be in anything. I remember playing a basketball game in high school. And going out to areas where it wasn't as many African-Americans. And listen, I got to tell you something. Growing up in Detroit, um, it gave me, my mother said, a, a false view of reality. Because at the time I grew up in Detroit, everywhere you went, African-Americans were in leadership positions at that time. They were owning businesses at that time. The gas station down the street from me was black owned. The, the medical center was black owned. The, the doctor's office nearby that in the mini hospital, uh, now they have a lot of urgent cares, but this was a very, it was a community hospital that did mental health and physical health. And that was black run. All of these things were in the community. And so my mother said I had a distorted view about life. Well, what it did do was it empowered me. I felt like I could just do anything. And then I was in a basketball game. 
and we were playing at a different school. It was way out. And I was called the N-word and think people were throwing things at me. And it was the ref's goal to get me fouled out. And I had, I was enraged as a teenager. And my father looked at me from the stands and he was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Because the ref got in my face and I was that close to let him have it. And I was taught to hold it. And we're still taught to hold it. In order to survive. Hold it. If you want to survive. I was in a meeting with my mother. Where the county took my work. Published it as their own. And then wanted to peace out monies to our organization. And the lady went against what she said she was going to do. Now I'm in the meeting with my mother who was the executive director of a nonprofit company. And I looked at my mother and I said, she's lying. And my mother kicked me under the table. Shut up. Taught to hold it. I may have had the truth, but I couldn't tell the truth because it was going to block the money. It was going to block the blessing. It was going to make it so that the coaches who may have been looking at me weren't going to give me a scholarship if I went off on this ref. If I would have flipped off all of the, uh, the audience, the onlookers for the game at that day, all of these things make it so we are taught not to respond. Then when we do respond, then we got to worry about how uncomfortable the oppressor may be. Today, I'm not concerned about your comfort. So we're not coming on this platform or any other platform that you see me on. It is not to make you feel comfortable. We got to get to the land of uncomfortability. We've got to get there because I love you. I may love you and your, your view may be slighted. But if we never have the conversation and get to the why, because otherwise we're going to live a, a schizophrenic mindset going back and forth and back and forth. I love you. I hate you. I love you. I hate you. You're good. You're bad. Constantly judging people, putting them in boxes, then got to take them out the box because we put ourselves in the box. And so now I'm looking at myself. What do I need to change from within me so that I am for real every day? You know, and I was, look, I've been, I couldn't believe it. I'm going to tell you one thing my father did. My father became close friends with one of his friends. 
who was actually from Mississippi. I was okay with him being from Texas. I was not okay with him being from Mississippi. And then I look at my brother. I have a brother. Uh, we have the same father. And he lives in Mississippi. And I finally told him. And I told my father's friend's son. Because he said, I know. Well, my father's friend's son said, I know you felt a certain way when your father said he was coming to, miss, to, to see my dad in Texas. I said, no, I didn't. I didn't care about him seeing your dad in Texas. I said, what I was very concerned about was when he took his behind all the way to Mississippi to see your dad's brother. <laughs> Why? Because I loved that family. I love them. And yet they're from Mississippi. So now I'm challenged. I still love them. I still hate some of the actions, of course, that Mississippi's laws and policies and people have done. And I think we got to get there where we say, what you did, we hate. What you've done or what you're doing or what you said or, or the, the verdict, we hate. That did not show that you were equitable. And we got to be able to say that and then say, okay, how can we begin to turn this around? And it starts with us. Mm -hmm. It starts with us. So what I'm turning around is definitely making sure my next generation that we are covered and entrenched in our history, true history. I'm not waiting for February. I never did wait for February. What I'm turning around is how I educate in our home first what i'm turning around what do we put in our children change the narrative what are you eating what are you giving your children what are you putting in your children are you asking the questions what are you telling your children mm -hmm. I hated that I had to tell my children, you can drive everywhere except these places. But I had to do it. I had to do it. I can't force a change narrative. So let's talk about that. I can't force it to change automatically. I have to change from within. So I have to tell my children exactly what is happening right now. However, I expect you to be a light wherever you go. I do want you to know how to protect yourself and where the consciousness of some people are small and almost at an idiot status, you should not be there. That's how I raised mine.
know that's so, what, what narratives are y'all going to change? Let's change some because we got some. We have policies that we're looking at. There are six policies that trouble African-Americans, trouble people of color. The number one, of course, is the criminal justice policies, educational policies. It's number two. Number three is employment policies. Number four is um, residency policies. People don't live everywhere they want to. And, and look, some of us don't want to live in other places because we would feel uncomfortable and I need to sleep at night. Number five, mentoring programs. And the six policies or program or governmental intervention that we have not had is reparations. All against the people. Go ahead, Alexandria. Um, a few things on the note of mentoring and on the note of criminal justice. Mentoring, um, for example, a majority of the youth programs in Detroit are ran by the police. That is not okay. <laughs> that needs to change. Um, my Brother's Keeper program, for example, I had met with someone from Lawrence Tech that was telling me they had a working with an organization called We Belong ran by a this it's not a uh, organization that's in michigan it's, it's based in boston but the boston police department <laughs> this is lawrence tech someone from lawrence tech telling us that we potentially wanted to partner with this was southfield my brother's keeper in a meeting and and of course i that's not happening i'm not doing that so <laughs> i expressed that but the audacity then in terms of the policing front on criminal justice it's, it's weaved into so many different things that, you know, where to address it is, is the question because there's whole damn city charters that include policing. Mm -hmm. Grand Rapids, for example. Um, a friend, friend uh, the other day was saying, um, well, no, I'll give you one. Grand Rapids has a policy where they're allowed to fingerprint people and to take pictures of people um, you don't have to be arrested or have done something. They can come up to you and do that. That's in their policies and procedures. That's something Michigan Supreme Court is dealing with right now. That's something someone's suing over right now and it's actually been found that that majorly impacts black people, of course. Grand Rapids City Charter, Southwest City Charter, it's say if you have been convicted of a crime, you can't work for Southwest City Government or run for election. That's in the city charter. So it, it don't say if you've been exonerated, nothing. So it's, it's, it's you know, where to look, but we got to start looking. It, it's not known you, you don't look. You need to look. You need to uh, un <laughs> unleash all this so we can deal with it and then get it out of here. Um, yeah, it, our investigation has to be on and stay on. Yeah. Trisha, yeah. I like how you say, um, I love you, then I have to tell you the truth. 
And thank you, Allie, for that truth, because yeah. it's in these policies that keep perpetuating that system. Go ahead, Trisha. Oh, my Lord. You know, when we look at those policies, well, we got to understand our, our, the systems that are in place. I think, Tia, you said it earlier, it, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And when we're taught not to look or when we have on rose colored glasses, you know, at what point, that's what I want to know. At what point will we awaken and shake ourselves to say that, okay, I'm not accepting this anymore. And everybody has their moment. You know, I, for me, my moment was when I started in, 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 um, uh, post uh, secondary education, and I was like, oh. you know, and it was it was it was on every level. It was at the community college. It was at Eastern Michigan University. It was at uh, USC. I mean, it was everywhere. And I started to really like, especially at Eastern. When I was at Eastern, I was like, what is this? Like, are you serious? This is like like real and they get to just like do this they get to just oppress us and there's nothing we can do i'm telling you when that happened to me i child i called the michigan department of civil rights i called the department of education i i called everybody that i could think of but then it started making me think about how much i had ignored you know how much I had ignored. And I'm not telling anybody to beat up on yourself. I'm saying give yourself a reality check. Because where we're running around here, just ignoring things, making people feel uncomfortable, and in their people's favorite word, we have to move in love. Let me tell you something. Just like I put in that uh, chat, if I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. Now you can trust and believe if I don't care nothing about you, I've gone on about my business and you can have at it. But if I love you, if I'm challenging you, it's because I believe that there's something there and that we can work and we can thrive. And it just takes that moment of honesty. We can't keep playing with people. We play too much. We'll sit up and tell somebody, oh, no, that's not racism. That's just Trisha. She just saying that. No, you a damn lie. You know that's racism, but you know that's going to mess up your seat and you know it's going to stop you from getting the things that you need to get from these folks. So you playing games when you know what it is. It's time out for people to feel comfortable. That's why we're here because we've, we've been so comfortable that we rock to sleep, both black and white, every ethnic background. But we got to wake up. What's that... Uh. Who, what movie was that on? They said, wake up. I think it was school days. School days. <laughs> wake up. Yes. I, I, um, when you think about all the many things that, that go on within a culture, um, and when they asked, I'm forgetting who did the survey and who went before people. And they said, if you're here in the audience, stand up if you would rather switch places and become a black person in America. And not one person stood up. Mm. 
if you believe, because see, they asked, did you believe they were treated fairly? And some of them raised their hands, yes. And then they asked, well, who would you, would you change places? And not one person stood up. And then the person, the facilitator said, and yet you don't want to make any changes. Why don't we want to make change? And it's not just, it's not other people. I'm talking about within our community. Why don't we want to make change? And I'm convinced that the ego within us will think, well, I was wrong. You ever been wrong about something and your faith or your, your theory was challenged? I believe today we have botched up science because of the ego of people who don't want to be wrong. So they don't want to tell the truth about the numbers. They don't want to tell the truth about what's actually happened in, within an experiment. And so because of their own ego, they give you what they felt the hypothesis should have, should be if it was true. And so we don't have the truth. If we knew that every time a scientist goes into the lab, however they do it, they take their perspective, their perspective with them. And that project, that experiment, that survey is going to be tainted irregardless. So I'm asking us, what are we believing? Do we believe that we are the highest number of criminals? I'm asking. <laughs> Do we really believe that? That we are savages having no control? These are some of the myths that we've been, we've bought into. Right. You know, and changing it. Why do we accept misery and then keep putting the same people in office? The judge today, all the way in Minneapolis, two years. Two years. And she prefaced her statement. <laughs> Jay knows what I'm talking about with all of the accolades that that particular officer What's about? Yes. Like she was writing her own recommendation letter for. And that courtroom was still in order. Well, Rabbitia, you know, I think that when we don't recognize that we have power then this is what happens for us. You know, we lose when we don't, when we don't recognize we have our power. And so when, um, 
when they can tell you all these wonderful things about someone who killed your child and then quote uh, Obama quote into it. And we are supposed to go home and feel, you know, grateful for this. But we forget that we have power and that if we galvanize and organize, that we can stand up for this. And not for just that judges, that particular judge, but judges all over this United States. You know, we're here because of, you know, what? Wrongful convictions. This happens every day. But we are complacent because we buy into the programming and to the narratives of what um, the people who are in charge, that's what we'll call them, put out there. Yeah. You know, and so when they program you to believe that we are super predators and that they repeat that narrative and that they bring it into your home, into your worship spaces, then they program you into believing that we're you're you're raising super predators or you're living around super predators. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you buy into that whole narrative and then to the point that you can't even stand up for each other. And so it's just, you know, it's sad that this is our state of affairs, but this is why we're here to educate and to open our eyes to our power. So we don't have to, you know, believe that there's nothing we can do. That, that, you know, we can just we just go home and buy into that, that justice has been served. Because we already know if the tables was the other way around, and if that was a black officer, even if that was a black officer, it would not have been, you know, 24 months, <laughs> 16 months, or whatever it's going to turn out to be. So we have to, you know, re- retrain let re let it go um <laughs> unlearn all these things that we learn to be you know to be true yeah. and learn a different um narrative and, and and learn how to vote like nobody's even challenging the the judge who made that ridiculous decision right you have if you look on uh, some of the judges that are out there in Minneapolis you got some of them that already have challengers that are saying I'm coming for your seat. Um no one and she was appointed. Yeah. She was a governor appointed judge. And no one has said I'm coming for your seat. I'm praying that someone with ethical leadership with an ethical leadership mind comes for her seat. So when you look at, I, I know I want to bring attention to the media. When you look at what's been written already, just look at the headlines and how it's written. You would think justice is served mm-hmm. and it's not. We got to hold the journalist accountable We need to hold those in office accountable. We need to hold ourselves accountable and we need to stop accepting whatever is given. So it says one, one title says good cop, Kim Potter, not above the law as if justice was served. Then if another one says Kim Potter guilty of manslaughter. Sentence. It doesn't say how long, but it says she was sentenced for police killing. These are the titles 
of well-known journalism. <laughs> Ex-police officer sentenced to two years. One says it. All of these ways of changing the truth so that we continue to be lulled, you know? So what, what can we do? What can we do? We, we can't stop. You know, they want you to be quiet. We can't stop, just like Trisha said. Talking about, tell us about the women's prison. What happened? Let's do a follow-up. So you know what? It's so funny you just said that because I was thinking, let me just give the people some hope. Because see, when you stand together and when you raise your voices, I'm telling people, be like, oh, direct action don't work. Shut up. <laughs> yes, it does. Because after January the 16th action, he got word that they moved the women from that condemned, one of the condemned spots and moved them somewhere else. Now they did go back to business as usual in some areas, right? But that's why we keep pushing because when folks know you watching them, they move different, right. they move different. And just because you might lose the round don't mean you lose the battle, you still continue to push. Perfect example, Washtenaw County, we're fighting for them to fund grassroots organizations, do something they've never done before. Because the, the ones closest to the problem, they got the solution, right? And mm -hmm. I mean, we battled and they mocked us and ridiculed us. And oh, she a social worker, she don't even know how to write a real proposal and just all of this stuff. But we just kept on, kept on, kept on. The people kept rising, kept rising, kept forming, coming to the meetings, calling in. They approved the first round reading of money for grassroots organizations last night. And it has one more reading to go through on the second. But I'm saying you continue the push. For me, if I know something is supposed to be a yes and it's a no, I'm finna keep pushing and galvanizing everybody I can that knows it's supposed to be a yes too. And we're going to continue to fight. That's what we need to do. We need to keep standing together, not on a reactionary basis, even though sometimes we got to stand up and react too, right? But we have to be proactive and stay at the table so they know we mean business. We went to a meeting out in Superior Township. They're talking to them about giving the ARPA funds to those who need it most. Guess what they did? They voted it that they're going to use all their ARPA funds in Superior Township for the 4819 uh for the low income index areas in All their right. community then came back and said well we did the the township supervisor said we did that too quick we might have to revisit that nah joker it's already in stone and if they revisit it we'll be back to fight that too we got to keep applying pressure and the most important part is we got to do it together mm -hmm. love it Love it. I, I want to add to that um, applying pressure piece because back to uh, Minneapolis, right? They had an opportunity in 2021 election to replace the police department with a whole new public safety team that was not going to be the police. That was on the ballot. They could have voted for that. It was tight. The votes were tight and it didn't pass. And um, from what I know with talking to people out there, 
talking to different, you know, there's different oversight like commissions like formed out there. There, there is a in terms of progressive, I would say it's way more progressive than where I'm at right now. But it didn't happen because they were divided. They didn't understand it. And because what they already had, they understood, they were afraid of the unknown. So that was better. What they currently have that's harming people was better than the unknown. And 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 this was black people that was not for it. Um, I mean, so it goes to show like, the importance of being unified and applying pressure like you you have to be consistent if people were were as much as they were protesting were educating their neighbors and trying to get their neighbors on board if they was doing that just as much they would have an extra six votes you know it, it the groundwork has to match the protesting the relationship building and the building of people power has to match the amount of you know, demanding these things we do to elected officials. We got to get each other on board. Yeah, that's good, Alexandria. That, um, I, you know, I look at, Trisha said, the fear. There's a fear that comes with change, you know. Um, Trisha said that. And there is fear sometimes with with change. There's fear with speaking up. There's fear with that comes along and what is being told to you that that you're afraid of if i do this thing if i say this if i voice my opinion what will happen and you know recently i've noticed that it was the fear for me i can only talk for myself you know for for me of, of being probably cut off from a particular relationship you know and that fear of being disconnected. Sometimes people are fearful of not being included within a certain population or community or group. So the fear of change, because right now I'm, I am advocating for people to make the personal change first. And like everyone has talked about, Get into educating yourself, educating your families, telling them the truth about who they really are. Who are you? What power do you really have on the inside of you? Stand in your truth. Stand in that truth. There's a study that they did not long ago that they never did reveal because they didn't want people to know that there was an actual difference in some of the DNA structures of people. And the people who had the highest number, because it was the count, everybody was not given the same count according to the study. They didn't even publish it because they didn't want nobody to know. It was a government study. It's out now, though. <laughs> Thank God for YouTube. So, <laughs> so anyway, in the study, uh, it it showed that uh, people of African descent had these extra uh, chromosomes or DNA uh, characteristics. I'll say, and because of the the people who had these extra characteristics were supposedly known to have um 
be have greater intelligence. They didn't want anybody to know that. Well, it's out now. It's out now. So even if you thought you were less than intellectually, you're not. You're not. You know, and and we can we can do better with what we teach. We can do better with what we're we're passing to the next generation. What is the baton that we're passing? And unfortunately, some of us did not get the baton passed. And the reason why that happens is because people are so focused in the end thing, whatever the end thing is. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you an example. I watched a mother not too long ago and her head was down the whole time. Her little two-year-old was just walking around. Wasn't even two yet. And almost walked into the street. Had it not been for me pulling in and yelling out, somebody get the baby. I am seeing many people head down all the time. If you get those two little knots on the back of your head, that means your head has been down too long on a device. You're not sick. There's no tumor. Just hold your head up. Too many people are so socially mediated <laughs> that, that they don't see what's going on in the next generation. And therefore, the legacies, the knowledge, the wisdom has not been passed down. We can do better. I like that. Trisha said the movie Get Out. Yes. And, and when I saw that, that study, that reminded me of that movie. <laughs> it's funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> it's so Go scary. Ahead, it's so yes. scary that folks don't want us to thrive in our natural selves, but want to be just like us. I don't yeah. get it. <laughs> exactly. My mother used to cover my um, behind. All of my shirts went way low. And I, I was wondering why, you know, I saw I had a, I was self-conscious. So as a, even a teenager, I made sure my my shirts was were, were long, you know, why? Well, because at the time, a big behind was not in. Well, not everywhere. I didn't know. Then now people are going to get bow ties. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? But we don't need to state or go with any narrative of the day anymore. Allow people to be who they are. Find the beauty. And if we can heal enough within ourselves, then we can begin to heal humanity. We can't get to humanity until we heal. And we can't heal until we tell the truth. I was about to say, we can't heal what we won't reveal. Yeah. Attorney Hugo Mack has something to say. 
Well, I want to say this. We're talking about policies that need to be changed. One of them is an internal policy with us as a people growing up and being in America. And that policy is we have extremely short-term memories. Short-term memories. We are so easily distracted. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. By things that are put in front of us and we forget the tail end of it. Let me give you a prime example. Last Sunday, they had a sport event called the Super Bowl. Okay, called the Super Bowl. And they had a halftime show. When I've been a Mary J. Blige fan since forever, okay, that halftime show. It took a white performer to take a knee. His name is Eminem. It took a white performer to take a knee and bring back the vision of a man named Colin Kaepernick, okay, who paid the ultimate price for talking about injustice, racism, white supremacy in this country, okay? On that stage, you had hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars performing. But we are so enthralled with who's got the biggest NFL contract, uh, a mixed race quarterback from Kansas City named uh, uh, McMahon, I believe his name is, all right? $45 million. They put that in front of us, or they put some entertainers in front of us, and our youth see that. But a lot of people, our young people, have even forgotten what the symbolism of taking a knee means and a short-term memory. We will go on patronizing those companies that have systematically been the main purveyors of racism against us. I see these commercials for like McDonald's, you know, and they talk about, oh, McDonald's has got a scholarship, you know, and they'll put some black faces on there and talk about, well, I started at McDonald's and, and you know, I got a scholarship. And I saw one now where a black woman says, well, I own two Domino's pizzas now. And I started out, you know, working at Domino's pizzas. These are the two main corporations who are anti-union. Anti-union. They don't want that $15 minimum for any of their workers. A disproportionate amount of them are black. So one of the things that I dedicate myself to is reminding people, where in the world do you think these people stand behind that black face that they put out in front of you? Tom Joyner, uh, uh, Steve Harvey, Kevin Hart, you know, Kevin Hart doing all them Chase Bank commercials. Chase Bank has been fined hundreds of millions of dollars for uh, ripping people off and overcharges. Disproportionate amount of them are black. So in any event, so when I talk about the narrative, that is one narrative we need to have in our community. Stop having such a short-term memory on people who are trying to destroy you, okay? You know, stop glorifying uh, some uh, Jay-Z in them, well-intentioned as they may be, all right, and thinking that that is the be-all to end-all. You're not going to be on stage with Jay-Z. You ain't going to push up on Beyonce. No, you're not. No, you're not. Okay, so what I'm saying is you won't get within 100 yards of them people. They got bodyguards. 
So what I'm saying to us is, it's just please, let's keep pushing the narrative on stop having such a short-term memory and look at these people who they really are. Stop looking away when you know what it is while Dr. Dre up there talking about, well, that was Eminem, that was him. I could not believe that he said, I was so disgusted and it put me in mind of this, Master, I didn't do it, Master. That was that. That was him, Master, please come back. It, we've got to stop that. Stop Dr. being so afraid of the oppressor Man, uh, Dr. Dre, you got billions of dollars. So, so what if you lost some money at this show? What difference does that make? And obviously Eminem didn't care. He didn't care. He was willing to go ahead and take that knee. And he knew if he did that, that they was probably going to take his money, which is why Dr. Dre said, that was Eminem. That wasn't me, boss. You know what Love it. That is, that is, these are the narratives. Why? Because that narrative <laughs> says I can still be bought. I can still be bought. You got people who are supposedly exonerated or exonerated, I call it with a twist or set free because they weren't supposed to be in jail in the first place. And anyway, however you want to say that, but yet if they do any offense, they will go straight to jail and they will not collect $200. They will go straight across the board, straight there. And yet they get shut up money. They have shut up, don't say nothing, money. I'm gonna do this for you if you don't say anything. If you don't write about it, I give you this. And so we can still be bought. We can still be bought. And that's why some people don't say anything at all anyway, because of the look. Somebody told me not long ago, you know, with what you're talking about, that may, people may not follow you. Okay. Okay. I, I, I need what I'm looking for today for myself first. And for those who I connect with or people who, want to tell the truth. I want real relationships where we communicate and where I'm not afraid to be me and you're not afraid to be you. And we can meet <laughs> in a place of humanity. Humanity means we all, we all survive on the same thing. Having these conversations still today, 400 years later is just ridiculous. And it shows that what we're doing, have done in the past is not enough. You know, people love to point out that we're having these conversations 400 years later and how it's bothering them, but they hate acknowledging that slavery went well into the 1970s. You can't acknowledge that, though, can you? You can't acknowledge that that's somebody's grandmother. That's that's when my mother was born in 71. You can't acknowledge that part. Yeah. But you, you're tired from this one conversation. So we, we have make, the critical race theory now. Like we can't make white supremacy. We can't give it a safe space. There's a lot of people out here giving white supremacy a safe space. They yeah, right. something, you know, yeah. they don't want to check them. They give them a safe space. You gave mm -hmm. them a platform. Stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And we still have people right now 
2022, living on plantations, Mississippi, just like slaves. So we can't say that happened a long time ago because it's still living on today and all the things that we have going on is still prevalent. I mean, look at, you have free labor. <laughs> You're locking people up to get free labor. So that's slavery. Exactly. Like, you know, I saw something where um, some historians, they found there was two unmarked graves in Birmingham and it was a black couple that passed away. Now the graves were unmarked because nobody thought it was important to mark them, to remember them. So when people say Black Lives Matter, this is what we're talking about. Not even us resting in these maps. Like, it's, it's deep. That was somebody's mother, that was somebody's cousin. There's history of that family going through Southfield and, and having children and, and making something of themselves. They left the South and and they got put in graves that were unmarked only to be found these many years later later and given acknowledgement so this stuff is deep you, you can't push it aside push it aside like it's just a conversation it's much more than that yeah 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 and, and so you get all these terms now <laughs> And this is the one thing I wanted to bring up was the critical race theory. In one of the um, <laughs> one of the statements is that it's a notion that racism is ordinary. It's ordinary. It was it was supposed to happen. It's a part of history. And I, I want I want us to see how the difference, if we talk about critical race theory, which I, I, I really don't like it, but um, and if we talk about other generations or other people, other groups of people who have endured atrocities and have received reparations and who look at you if you dare bring them up in your mouth at all if if their if their history comes off of your lips they are appalled and disgusted and cannot believe you would even mention it and yet i'm not denying the atrocities what I'm saying is, has our history and treatment from other people, has it been horrific enough for us to dare somebody to laugh at it? Dare them to allow words to come out of their mouth that make it seem like it doesn't matter. We're not mad enough yet. If we get sick and tired. Go ahead, Allie. Oh, no, I just wanted to 
bring light to the names of those people. I don't want to just say them and not acknowledge their names. Um, George and Eliza Taylor. Um, but they're now uh, being honored now in Birmingham uh, with their names and everything. But I just wanted to uplift their name. Oh, that's good. That's good. And, and many go unmarked. Um, when I looked at uh, going down south anyway to uh, Florida, where my grandmother was, uh, she came She came north with my grandfather. But when we go down to Florida, Century Florida, we're on the plantation. Um, part of the land now, of course, was given to the slaves. But the cemetery is slaves. And so I can walk back there and the headstones were created by our people and could not go into the same cemetery. And they probably still do the same thing today. I'm not sure. Trisha, were you going to say something? <laughs> she just, she's in a moment. <laughs> disgusted by all of this, you know, because you know, again, they want this to be our history, but this is their history. Our history started long before we ever came to these to these shores. Mm -hmm. Our history, I, I'm a Nigerian. My people are from Nigeria and Cameroon and Western Bantu's people. That's my history. My history does not start here in America. It starts far before we ever got here. So stop telling them lies about our, if you want to tell our history, tell about when we were kings and queens and business owners and, and healers and, and all of that. This is our history. Yeah. This shit y'all did over here, this y'all mess. So when you don't want to talk about it, we are clear why. Because you don't want your dirty laundry to be aired out. This is your mess and you got to clean it up and we're going to keep pushing till you do. <laughs> That's right. So you got to get held accountable. <laughs> you got to be held accountable. And I think that's what's going to make the change is accountability. It's accountability. And, and we take accountability too. Yes. Well, we trusted you beyond ourselves. That right there trust you you know and I, I look and think about how people trust other people with their children so easily just give them over and then i it hit me some of us are just used to giving our children over we've been used to that we've been used to that just constantly giving our people over giving our children over and then we asked, how could that happen? Right. How could it happen? Reverend Tia, we're so used to it that we don't cry out. We don't, we don't say nothing, you know, and until you know others start crying out or somebody else cry out. You know, they kidnapping our kids and putting them inside these institutions and getting them to work for free and you know, I mean, and beyond that. And so that's why, you know, we have to understand who we are first to know and understand that, you know, we are worthy of 
being treated just like everyone else be treated treated and to be seen with um the same humanity and empathy and compassion as that judge saw kim today we all should have that same kind of opportunity and so we have to learn you know i know we're going to keep coming here <laughs> until we all get it but you know that's how we have to all you know understand who we are and push for that push mm -hmm. for change um, understand locally, you know, that we have an obligation to look into judges, uh, to know their story, who or how they got to those positions, if they were appointed. That's our responsibility, you know, to make sure when it's time to vote, to go vote, not wait till the last minute trying to figure it out. You know, they tell us when it's time to vote way ahead of time. We all we know who's running. So we have to do our homework. And then we have to get those, you know, that report card that you always talk about, Rabbitia. Mm -hmm. If they didn't do anything to impact your community, just because they come on your in your church on Sundays, you know, before elections and talk all fancy and make all these promises and sound real good, how you jumping up and down, and then year two later there is nothing. Everything's the same, and then here they come back again. No, we have to start saying no, no. <laughs> we can't have you back. The shame on the pastors that keep letting them come back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. We can't have you come back and we want somebody else. We have to like stop doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, I was going to say for our homework, if you don't know, like Trisha said, Get to know your history, get a glimpse and hold on to something ethically important and strong about your history. Know something, hold on to it and pass it down, mm -hmm. pass it to the next generation. The other thing we got to do is educate ourselves. Be a lifelong learner. Educate yourself on everything on everything that's going on. And the third thing, join this movement, another movement. We got enough movements out here. Survivors speak. Um, we've got, look, get in touch with Allie, get in touch with uh, Attorney Mac, get in touch with J-Love. There's enough. We all are doing something, but we come here collectively because we know we want the same thing. Right. And that's justice. That's peace. That's love. And that's the love for humanity that all of us have here. Do that. And then what I'm asking to do, you to do, get a message over to J-Love. We're looking at report cards for our judges. Put the judge down, give him a letter grade. And what experience did you have with that judge? I want to know if they get an A, B, C, D, or F, and Y. It's time for us to get ready because we need to make changes. And those people who are in office, who are not serving the people, we need to give them notice that they are fired. Attorney Mack. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm so scared of causing an echo when I talk. So <laughs> it's okay. Say, what, one thing I want to say too is this, and particularly for people in Washtenaw County where I live, stop going by endorsements that people get. Please stop doing that. Black people, please stop doing that. You can have a person that is an elected position that happens to be black. That is not the be all to end all. Quit going around saying, well, so-and-so endorsed them. That's who I'm going to, going to go with. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. One of the reasons I ran for county prosecutor was specifically to challenge that system. All right. We have to, we got to stop being afraid because the system is against us and somebody who's elected to a circuit court judge or maybe view themselves as a king or queen, I might add, or queen maker, or somebody's elected to some law enforcement position who may view themselves as a king or queen maker. Stop going by that. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. And let me tell you something. If you got somebody who's running for office and you don't see that person but around election time, if it's a person of color who has got to parachute into West Willow, who's got to parachute into South Side of Ipsy, who's got to parachute, all right, into uh, Stanford Gardens, they got to parachute their way there. They got to put MapQuest in to find their way there. Stop going by the fact that they come in with a black face that's accompanying them. Stop letting your votes be sold for so damn cheap, all right? Respect yourself and make people earn that vote. And I'm Hugo Mack, and I approve this message. And I second that motion. <laughs> yeah, I got a third point. <laughs> hey, I saw that John James is running for Brenda Lawrence's old seat. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Do what you will with it. Carry on. <laughs> Can I just say that I'm telling y'all right now, if you just putting somebody in office because they're a black face, you a disgrace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because, because, because some black faces got our knee under they got, got our necks under their knees more than the oppressor does. They are the gatekeepers. And you, but as a matter of fact, it's a whole bunch in Washington County. We gonna we trying to take them out at their knees, take them out at their ankles. And how do we do that? We organize the vote. Mm -hmm. We stand together. We organize together, and we cut them off when it comes time to vote. Yes, yes. Get educated. Get <laughs> educated about the people. You got to know how have they, <laughs> how have they legally helped or hindered the community. Yes. How many people did they sentence to prison? What are they doing in the community? Yeah. We gotta begin to ask the questions. If they get a D or F people, let's change that narrative. Become a voter, vote them out. Go ahead, Jay. Yes, Rabbit <laughs> Let's change that narrative because um, we have that power. All we have to do is take some time 
out of our busy day because you never know where you might be standing in front of that judge. <laughs> you never know. You one car accident, uh, one anything, anything can happen to anybody at any time. So we have to be more concerned about it. Don't just, we blow it off. Oh, I'm just going to skip over them. No, no. It's time out for skipping over, making excuses, and accepting crap. It's time out for that. We have to be yeah. make wiser choices. Pay attention. <laughs> Educate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and not just, you know, I know the word talks about visiting people who are in prison, visiting people who have been sick. Um, we got to get beyond just the visit just a visit. But sometimes some of us, not all of us, have hidden behind our faith mm. and felt that, you know, well, I'm going to pray about it. Um, and I and I know people are busy, but, but we need action. I'm so glad that as far as my scripture is concerned, Jesus, he didn't just pray he was an action. He went into action. See, that's why they didn't like him. Don't act so high and holy thinking that if, if he manifested himself, Yahshua or Jesus today, that he would not end up because of your holy selves back in the prison system he will be he would be <laughs> he would be in prison again again why why look at your word get the real verbiage that he was saying when he went into the temple that act right there when he was he was destroying stuff he would have been in jail then he committed so many laws. He went against the policy, people. <laughs> he went against the policy. It was the law that you could not touch anybody if you had an issue of blood. Let me just let y'all know. Not only did she touch his hem of, of his garment, <laughs> he stopped and pointed it out. And all, both of them could have been stoned. Okay, look, and for my holy people, Jesus was not running around with $2.50. Okay, so if they needed a treasurer, Judas had more than $2.50. Okay, when you look at how much the silver cost for the betrayal, Okay, we still got that Judas mentality, some of us. Sold out for money. That's a whole nother thing. But anyway, just know that what really angered the people was that he went against protocol and he began to organize in such a way that people allocated their monies and directed it in a different way. So we are still at the same conversation 
of economic mastery. Who's going to have the money? And so that is why. Because they came together as a community. Because the monies were going to the orphans and to the widows. Because they decided we're not going to allow the Sadducees and Pharisees to take all everything. We're going to do this right here. And with the time is coming. And the time is now. But like Jay said, we will fund our freedom. Yes. Wow, Rabbitia, that's so you're so awesome today. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> I love you guys. Yes. Thank you, Rabbitia. Um, I want to do some housekeeping right quick before we go. Um, first of all, I want to tell you guys about Trisha. She's coming out. Trisha, is your mic on? Turn your mic on, Trisha. Okay. So, Trisha, tell us about your new show and uh, where we can find you at. Oh, my goodness. See, and again, I got to salute you because what? person do you know that'll salute somebody else that's doing another show but this is a prime <laughs> example of the fact that there's room for everybody and you don't have to be like oh she doing what i'm doing so i ain't saying nothing about so thank you for breaking that cycle um because when when i came out with the flyers my sisters hey they got the sharing and declaring <laughs> and so um so talk of the time um and we will be actually doing a live um, recording for podcasting is what it is. Um, was very blessed with the opportunity from Unite STEM. They reached out and was like, hey, you know, you want to do this? And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very, very grateful, um, you know, because our home area, Washington County, ooh-wee. <laughs> election season two. Ooh so tune in to um, Talk of the Town with Trishay on Facebook on Tuesday nights um, at 8 p.m. And not sure yet when the podcastings are going to air, but I will let you all know that. And again, thank you, sis, for allowing that space. Oh, yeah, because, you know, we are in this together. You know, when Sam was on here, he was saying how we needed a like 24 hour program. We do. We need you. We need Allie. We need Tia. We need Attorney Hugo Mack and everybody who come on this platform to be on all day, every day, because that's the only way we're going to reach, you know, each other. So I'm so happy and excited for you. And also next week, we have Al Alexandria. She's going to come on. Ali, your mic is your mic on? Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Ali's gonna be on next week presenting. Go ahead, Ali. Yes. Um, next week we're gonna be talking about oversight and accountability, um, really defining what that looks like in your community, getting some feedback from people here, um, and just really talking about how we can make it happen. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And then the week after that, we um, it's going to be Trisha and then Attorney Hugo Matt. And guess who's coming on after that? Edward is going to be back. <laughs> He's going to be hosting with us. So I'm so excited. We have a great, amazing lineup uh, of guests that's coming on and conversations that we need to have in order to make um, change. We have to take care of it 
our amongst ourselves and our community to uh, first so we can get our own mindsets together so we can know how to present to others to get them together. So that's going to be our, our, our narrative is um, changing the narrative, transforming justice uh, this session. And also to learn more about Gerard's wrongful conviction story, please go to www.change.org slash justice for Gerard. Please sign and share the petition. You know, Gerard is humble. We still are, you know, praying that, you know, for justice for him. And um, so we got to keep pushing that, sign the petition, share it. So on that note, if if uh, anyone want to leave with anything before we leave out. Uh, oh, I just, I ahead. wanted to say, uh, Jay, the choice zone, mentally well yeah. on Wednesdays at six o'clock. Uh, we're we're going to talk about mental illness. Well, not just mental illness. I'm talking about mental wellness. You know me. I'm right. not going to let you just give me the narrative all the time. Well, I'm, I'm changing it. I'm, I'm fighting it down. So answers and solutions. That's right. what we have on that day. Yeah. And what, where do we watch that, um, Ramatia? It's on the Choice Zone Facebook. Yes. So go to Facebook mm -hmm. slash Choice Zone. Yeah. Ramatia on, on Wednesday. On Wednesday at 6 p.m. Trisha on Tuesdays. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we gonna have those all, all week in a minute. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and then I'm be supporting oh, everybody. Oh, I know that's right. <laughs> uh, ahead, I, I want to add too. Um, so uh, last week we did uh, Michigan People's Assembly with um, Black Lives Matter Michigan, uh, One Love Global, uh, Accountability for Dearborn, uh, as well as um, Truth and Reconciliation um, from Lansing. And it was on transforming prosecution towards racial justice. Um, we had our first one. Um, I dropped the link in the comments, and uh, we're going to be having the next one over the course of the few weeks. But it's going to be a four-part series. Um, I would definitely check it out when you have time um, and visit the Black Lives Matter Michigan page uh, and One Love Global for future events. Um, yes, yeah, time to get involved. Yes, and that's on Thursdays, right, um, Allie? Yes, yes. The, uh, the next one will be a couple weeks from now. Um, so within the next two weeks, look for it. But the last one was uh, recorded. So um, definitely check out that link in the uh, in the comments here for this. All right. Attorney Hugo and Matt. Yeah. Um, just stay in the fight. You know, stay in the fight. Uh, the courts are picking up now, you know, they're starting to have more jury trials where people are, you know, coming in. Um, but I would ask you to remember, please encourage people that you know, and I see this so much in our community, we are victimized more by COVID than anybody else, all right? And the long-term effects of COVID, all right? So um, encourage people to protect themselves, and to be vaccinated because I'm so concerned with our community, particularly in Detroit, such an, a, a paltry percentage of people in Detroit been vaccinated and we still fill up most of the body bags like Sam Riddle says all the time. You know what I'm saying? Filling up most of the body bags. So other people can be cavalier if they want to. 
we can't afford to be like other people. We can't afford to be losing hundreds of thousands of people. We cannot absorb that in our population like the majority population can absorb that. We can't do it. So let's love ourselves and protect and defend ourselves. Protect those babies, you know, and don't don't be having them around a whole bunch of people that's coughing and hacking and wheezing, you know, and, and all that stuff. And don't buy into that narrative that, well, no, this is just the government being involved. Cause all them people telling you that they don't got their shots. See, they, they, they won't tell you that. Their families are protected, but they don't want you and your family to be protected. See what I'm saying? So uh, love ourselves, protect ourselves, and I'll see y'all next week, Lord willing. Jay, we can't hear you. All right, I'm back. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us. We'll be back next Friday for turning a moment into a movement. Yeah.